Shalom Aleichem. Peace be upon you and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. This morning we are looking at this week's Torah portion, uh, which is entitled Mishpatim. The 18th reading from the Torah is named Mishpatim, which means judgments. The title comes from the first words of the first verse of the reading, which could literally be translated to say, And these are the judgments which you shall place before them. Exodus 21.1 The first three chapters of this Torah portion deliver a legal code of laws and commandments that form a nucleus for the Torah's laws. The last chapter tells a story of how the people of Yisrael consented to keep these laws and entered into a covenant relationship with God through a series of rituals conducted by Moses. So this morning it's Exodus chapter 21 through 24. I'm not going to do a ton of commentary except for at the front here as we deal with this topic of slavery. Because there's a serious misinterpretation and it's usually made out of ignorance. And a lot of times people try to make this as some kind of argument of why the Bible is untrue or evil because it condones slavery. Well, there's a lot of ignorance surrounding that. They don't understand what it's actually talking about. And unfortunately, this is true for most believers as well, because they haven't done the work. They haven't done the study. They don't understand. And unfortunately, where the Old Testament is concerned, where the Torah is concerned, most people, modern-day Christians, they have zero understanding. Which is why so many things in the New Testament are confusing and why a lot of the parables and things that are alluded to are confusing. Uh, It's purely out of ignorance. And this is why we do the Torah portion on this podcast. It's so people can get some of this information and understand it and how it foreshadows things and all of this that way they have a better understanding about the Savior and about the times and all of these things. It's, it's incredibly important to have the proper foundation and understanding. So that's why we do it. People complain, ah, stop using Hebrew words, stop doing this, stop doing that. All of this is to help enrich your understanding. There's a whole season that I did, a whole year that I did the Torah portions in the King James Version. If that's what you need, you can go to the YouTube channel, you can find it there, and you can listen to those. They're are labeled with each week's name. So you can go and find Mishpatim. It'll be in the King James Bible, and you can listen to that. But if you're wanting just a little bit more, then tune in this morning. So we're going to talk a little bit about this slavery topic, but first I'm going to get into the reading, and then I'll explain to you what I believe it means. All right, open up your hearts. Let's begin. Chapter 21, verse 1, Hallelujah Scriptures. And these are the right rulings which you are to put before them, When you buy an Ivory servant, that is to say a Hebrew servant, he serves six years, and in the seventh he goes out free for naught. If he comes in by himself, he goes out by himself, and if he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. 
If his master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children are her masters, and he goes out by himself. And if the servant truly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, let me not go out free. Then his master shall bring him before Elohim, and he shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And when a man sells his daughter to be a female servant, she does not go out as the male servants do. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master, who has engaged her to himself, then he shall let her be ransomed. He shall not have no authority to sell her to a foreign people because of him deceiving her. And if he engaged her to his son, he is to do to her as is right for his daughters. If he takes another, her food, her covering, and her marriage rights are not to be diminished. And if he does not do these three for her, then he shall go out for naught without silver. Alright, so that's the beginning portion, beginning of the portion, that, and it deals with slavery, but it's not slavery in the sense that people are thinking about slavery. A lot of times people are thinking about the type of slavery um, maybe in the beginning of uh, the United States or uh, things of that nature. Just a side note, go do your research. There's more slaves in the world today than there's ever been. <laughs> okay, Sex trafficking and sex slavery is by far larger than it's ever been in the history, in human history, at least from what we know. So just be aware of that. This is about making sure that people can't abuse others in that type of fashion. There was two senses in which a person could become a slave. Okay? The most common and the one mostly being dealt with here is that to escape severe poverty. So let's say I'm extremely poor. I'm having struggle. I can't even seem to, to, to make ends meet or get food on the table. So I sell myself for a period of time to somebody who is wealthy. And I basically become like an employee who lives with them and serves them. And in many cases, I might discover, hey, my life is so much better with my master. I'm not going to leave at the end of the period of time. I'm going to stay with my master because my life has been so much better. And then it gives you what the ordinance is to make this commitment. It, it has to do with an earring being put in your ear as a sign that you have committed to your master forever. The second way is that you were a thief. And now the court has ordered you to pay off your debts. So now you are a slave in that sense until the debt's paid. These are the options. You see, there was no military complex in God's design. There was no putting human beings in a cage and building business off of it. That's what the prison system is. It's a business that generates a ton of money for a few people, for the government and for the elites. And 
the United States, as an example, has more prisoners per capita than any place in the world. These are just realities. More prisoners than any place in the world. It's not God's design to put human beings in a cage. If you murdered, you were, you were murdered. If you steal, you gotta work it off. There is no go sit in a cage. <laughs> but that's the but that's a whole other thing, isn't it? So anyway, that is in general what the slavery was. There's other parameters that are put in here, and it's about so that human beings would would not be able, at least according to God's design and laws, to abuse other human beings. Plain and simple. All right. Let's continue on because I got a short amount of time to get through all this this morning. But I wanted to kind of rant a little bit and give my thoughts on this very first part. All right, verse 12. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall certainly be put to death. See, you murder somebody, you're murdered. You don't go to a jail cell. That simple. But if he did not lie in wait, but Elohim delivered him into his hand, then I shall appoint for you a place where he is to flee. But when a man acts presumptuously against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you are to take him even from my altar to die. And he who smites his father or his mother shall certainly be put to death. And he who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, he shall certainly be put to death. And he who curses his father or mother shall certainly be put to death. And when men strive together and one smites the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die but is confined to a bed, if he rises again and walks about outside with his staff, then he who smote him shall be innocent, and he only pays for the lost time and sees to it that he is completely healed." All right, so you get in a fight, you get in a scuffle, you injure somebody, you're responsible for their injury. Now, it's not like in the United States where you might injure someone and now they go and sue you for $10 million and you make, <laughs> you know, you make $30,000 a year and now your life is financially destroyed and this person's, I'm sorry, I'm just ranting because the way things are here now is unthinkable. And just completely immoral. And so contrary to God's design. That's why when I when people say, well, it's ba our laws are based on Judeo-Christian values. No, they're not. No, they're not. Stop it. The, what I'm reading right here, as far as what, how God designed uh, the way government and authority was to work, it's nothing like what, I, what we experience. In the Western world, it's not even not even close. Verse twenty. And when a man smites his male or female servant with a rod, so that he dies under his hand, he shall certainly be avenged. But if he remains alive a day or two, and he is not avenged for his property, and when men strive, and they shall smite a pregnant woman, and her child come out, then there is no injury. He shall certainly be punished according as the woman's husband lays upon him. He shall pay by the judges. But if there is injury, 
and you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and lash for lash. So there's a sense in which you, you, whatever you did is done to you, but it can't be any more than what you did. Okay? If I cut your hand off, my hand gets cut off, but you don't get to cut my hand and my foot off. That's what this is really getting at. And this is all to be kind of dealt with by the judges, the authorities that are appointed in this situation. When Jesus says, you have heard that it's you know an eye for an eye for two for two, but I tell you to turn the other cheek, he's talking about your personal response as an individual to another person in love. This is dealing with what the court system appointed court system would do and what they're allowed to do up to burn for burn wound for wound lash for lash and when a man smites the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it he is to let him go free for the strike of his eye and if he knocks out his tooth of his male or his female servant this is to let him go free for the sake of his tooth please note this is not giving this is not saying hey it's okay to beat your servants it's the, it's the opposite. It's saying if you beat your servants, well, there's a price to pay. That's what we're getting at here. But people will turn it the other way, right? And act like the Bible's condoning masters beating their servants. No, it's warning the master that if he does something like this, there's a price to be paid. It's not hard. It's not difficult. And when an, ac- when an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall certainly be stoned, and its flesh is not eaten, and the owner of the ox is innocent. However, if the ox was previously in the habit of going and its owner, or goring, and its owner has been warned, and he has not kept it confined so that it has killed a man or a woman, the ox is stoned, and its owner is also put to death. So if you have an animal that's attacking people, well and it happens once, well, the animal is condemned, right? You can't have an animal that's out goring people or mauling people. However, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, which is put the animal that's harming people down, and it kills somebody again, well, in this case, not only is the animal liable, but so were you, because you were negligent. Verse 30. If a sin covering is laid upon him, and he shall give the ransom of his life, whatever is laid on him, whether it is gored a son or gored a daughter, according to its right ruling, it is done to him. If the ox gores a male or a female servant, he is to give their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox is stoned. And when a man opens a pit, or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and the ox or a donkey falls in it, the owner of the pit is to pay or is to repay, he is to give silver to their owner, and the dead is his. And when the ox of a man smites the ox of his neighbor, and it dies, Then he shall sell the live ox and divide the silver from it, and also divide the dead ox. Where it was known that the ox was previously in the habit of goring, and his owner has not kept it confined, he shall certainly pay ox for ox, while the dead is his. When a man steals an ox or sheep, and shall slaughter or sell it, he repays five cattle for an ox, and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and is smitten so that he dies, there is no guilt for his bloodshed. 
So please note, what the Bible teaches is, if somebody breaks into your house and they end up dead as a result of that poor decision, that's not on you. That's on them. The blood is on their own head. They shouldn't have broke into your home. If the sun has risen on him, there is guilt for his bloodshed. He shall certainly be repay. If he has not the means, then he shall be sold for his theft. See, there's the second way in which you become a slave. You're a thief. You got to repay. If you don't have the means to repay, guess what? Now you got to work it off. If the theft is indeed found alive, thief is indeed found alive, and in his hand, whether it is an ox or donkey or a sheep, he repays double. When a man lets a field or a vineyard be consumed and lets loose his livestock and it feeds in another man's field, he repays from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. When fire breaks out and spreads to thorn bushes so that stacked grain or standing grain or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall certainly repay. When a man gives silver or goods for his neighbor to guard and it is stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he repays double. If the thief is not found, then his master of the house shall be brought before Elohim to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. For every matter of transgression, for an ox or for a donkey, sheep or garment, or whatever is lost, which another claims to be his, let the matter of them both come before Elohim, and whomever Elohim declares wrong repays double to his neighbor. When a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to watch over, and it dies or injured or is driven away while no one is looking, let an oath of Jehovah be between them both that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods. When the owner of it shall accept that, and he does not repay. But it if it is indeed stolen from him, and he repays his owner, if it is torn to pieces, then let him bring it for evidence. He does not repay what was torn. And when a man borrows from his neighbor, and it is injured or dies while the owner has it in his present, he shall certainly repay. But if the owner was with it, and, it does not, and he does not repay, if he was hired, he is entitled to the hire. And when a man entices a maiden who is not engaged and lies with her, he shall certainly pay the bride price for her to be his wife. You see, there was even things put in place. You couldn't seduce a young girl, sleep with her, and then think that you're going to get away with that. No, you pretended like you were going to be her husband. You seduced her into the bed. Now you owe the bride's price. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he pays according to the bride price of maiden. See, there's twofold. You got to marry her now. If you refuse to marry her, you're going to pay the father-in-law whatever the bride's price is. This isn't a rape situation, by the way. This is a seduction situation. They are different. Both immoral, one more grotesque than the other, but not the same. Do not allow a practicer of witchcraft to live. Ooh. Yeah, we, we certainly don't observe that one in modern times, do we? Anyone lying with a beast shall certainly be put to death. He who slaughters to the mighty ones except to Jehovah only is put under the ban. Do not tread down a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Mitzrayim. Do not afflict any widow or fatherless child. You do not afflict them at all. 
If they cry out to me at all, I shall certainly hear their cry. And my wrath shall burn, and I shall slay you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. If you do lend silver to any of my people, the poor among you, you are not to be like who lends with interest to him. Do not lay interest on him. In other words, your brothers and sisters in the faith, you are not allowed to charge them interest. If they come to you, hey, I need $300. Can I borrow $300? And let's say you have the means. You're allowed to loan them $300, but you're not allowed to say, yeah, but you owe me $375. No. These are your brothers and sisters in the faith. You are not to charge them interest according to God's law. If you take your neighbor's garment as a pledge at all, you are to return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering. It is his garment. For his skin. What does he sleep in? And it should be that when he cries to me, I shall hear, for I show favor. Do not revile Elohim, nor curse a ruler of your people. Do not withhold your produce and your juice. Give me the firstborn of your sons. Likewise, you are to do with your oxen, with your sheep. It is to be with its mother seven days, and on the eighth day you are to give it to me. And you are Kodesh men, that means hallowed men, set apart men, to me. You do not eat any meat which is torn to pieces in the field. You throw it to the dogs. Do not bring a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be a malice witness. Do not follow a crowd to do evil, nor bear witness in a strife so as to turn aside after many to pervert. And do not favor a poor man in his strife. And when you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall certainly return it to him. And when you see the donkey of him who hates you lying under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving it to him. You shall certainly help him. Just because you don't like someone doesn't mean you watch and observe uh, unfortunate things happen to them while doing nothing. You don't get to go like, oh, that stinks for that person, but who cares? I don't like him. Nope. Not according to God's law. Do not turn aside the right ruling of your poor in his strife. Keep yourself far from a false matter, and do not kill the innocent and the righteous, for I do not declare the wicked right. And if you do not take a bride for a bride's blinds, the seeing one and the twist of words of the righteous, and you do not oppress a sojourner as you yourselves know the life of a sojourner because you were sojourners in the land of Midstream. And for six years you are to sow your land and shall gather its increase. But in the seventh year you are to let it rest and you shall leave it and the poor of your people shall eat and what they leave the beasts of the field will eat. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive yard. Six days you are to do your work, and on the seventh day you rest, in order that your ox and your donkey might rest. And the son of your female servant and the sojourner will be refreshed. And on all that I have said to you, take heed, and make no mention of the name of another mighty one. Let it not even be heard in your mouth. Three times in the year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Guard the festival of Mashatot. Seven days you are to eat unleavened bread, and as I command you, and at the time appointed in the month of Abib, 
For it is to you that I came out of Mistraim, and you do not appear before me empty-handed. Matzot. That's, that's where they think about matzah bread. Festival of unleavened bread. And a festival of harvest, the first fruits, your labors, you have sown in the field, and the festivals of the ingathering, at the outgoing of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times in the year, all your males are to appear before the Adon, Yehovah. That is to say, the Lord, Yehovah. Do not offer the blood of my slaughtering with leavened bread, and the fat of my festival shall not remain until morning. Bring the first fruits of the fruits of your land into the house of Yehovah, your Elohim. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Please note, I do not believe that means you're not allowed to have cheese on your hamburger. What this is dealing with is showing that God cares about how you treat the animals. Don't do something so grotesque and cruel as to cook a young goat in his own mother's milk. That's demented. That's what it's saying. It's literally, it's not some secret code about you're not allowed to eat dairy with meat. It's simply saying God cares about how you treat the animals. They're to be dealt with in, a, in, in the way that God has designed. See, I am sending a messenger before you to guard you in the way and to bring you into a place which I have prepared. Be on guard before him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he is not going to pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. But if you diligently obey his voice and shall do all that I speak, then I shall be an enemy to your enemies and a distresser to those who distress you. For my messenger shall go before you and shall bring you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Pezzarites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Yebusites, and I shall cut them off. Do not bow down to their mighty ones, nor serve them, nor do according to their works. Without fail, overthrow them, and without fail, break down their pillars. And you shall serve Jehovah your Elohim, and he shall barak your bread, bless your bread and your water. And I shall remove sickness from your mist. None shall miscarry or be barren in your hand. I shall fill the number of your days. I shall send my fear before you and cause confusion among the people to whom you come and make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I shall send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites from before you. I shall not drive them out from before you in one year lest the land become a waste and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little I shall drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit their land. That's an interesting thought that people don't realize how God works. We want we want instant God, right? You know, just like we want it to be instant. I download an app. I want it to happen now. I go through a drive-through. I want it now. This is not how God deals with things. In many cases, it's a gradual change. Lord, I'm struggling financially. Well, you don't get $10,000 tomorrow. That's not how it works. But over time, he's going to teach you. And over time, he'll bring you out of that poverty. Gradually. He's like, I'm not going to drive your enemies out in an instant. 
Because you won't, there'll be too many beasts to the field, there'll be too many, it'll be problematic for you. You've got to gradually come into this situation. And I shall appoint your border from the Sea of Reeds to the Sea of the Pelishites, and from the wilderness to the river. For I shall give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out from before you. Do not make a covenant with them, nor their mighty ones. Let them not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me when you serve their mighty ones, when it becomes a snare to you. Chapter 24, we got 18 more verses. This is the point where the people are going to be excited about God's law, and they're going to be like, yes, everything that you've said, we will do. Unfortunately, when we get to next week's reading, they forget that in a hurry, and they do the unthinkable. Let's read chapter 24. Let's at least celebrate the covenant and the agreement that the people made with God. Moshe. And to Moshe he said, Come up to Jehovah, you and Aaron, Nadav, Avihu, and seventy of the elders of Yisrael. And you shall bow yourselves from a distance. But Moshe shall draw near to Jehovah by himself. And let them draw not near, nor let the people go up with him. And Moshe came and related the, to the people all the words of Jehovah, and all the right rulings. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which Jehovah has spoken we shall do. And Moshe wrote down all the words of Jehovah, and rose up early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve standing columns for the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men with the children of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and slaughtered peace slaughterings of bulls to Jehovah. And Moshe took half the blood and put it in a basin, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that Jehovah has spoken, we shall do and obey. And Moshe took the blood and he sprinkled it on the people, and he said, See the blood of the covenant which Jehovah has made with you concerning all these words. And Moshe went up, also Aaron and Adav and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Yisrael, and they saw Elohim of Yisrael, and under his feet like a paved work of sapphire of stone, and like the Shemayim, that is to say the heavens, for brightness. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the chiefs of the children of Yisrael. And they saw Elohim, and they ate, and they drank. And Jehovah said to Moshe, Come up to me on the mountain, and be there while I give you tablets of stone, and the Torah, and the commandments which I have written to teach them. And Moshe arose with his assistants, Yahushua, and Moshe, and they went up the mountain of Elohim. He said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you, and see Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has masters, let them go, or let him go to them. And Moshe went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. And the esteem of Jehovah dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moshe out of the midst of the cloud. And the appearance of the esteem of Jehovah was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain before the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moshe went into the midst of the cloud and went up to the mountain. And it came to be that Moshe was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. 
And that, my friends, is the end of our study for this morning. I pray that you have been blessed and strengthened. You'll have to forgive my rants. I've been doing this for a long time. And sometimes the longer you do something, the longer you've been involved in something, uh, you start to lose a little tolerance towards nonsense. (laughs) And you get frustrated. Uh, and, and, And as the world grows more ignorant and more wicked... Uh, the more frustrated I get. So I apologize that that occasionally comes through the podcast, but odds are it's God's will. And so uh, that's all. That's all I got to say. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.